0: up quick at about noon thank you for checking us out here on the thursday may 21st edition of the podcast with damien barling presented by vibe health bar i thank you so much for downloading streaming i thank you so much for listening and i thank you so much for allowing me to be a part of your day and if you're part of a little patreon community over there at patreon.com slash barling i thank you for being a part of that if you want to check it out you can go to damienbarling.com click the patreon button in the upper left hand corner or You can go to patreon.com slash Damien Barling. Tons of exclusive audio there for you, including the first two episodes of my new wrestling documentary-style podcast, uh, Relive. That's not set to debut until June 3rd uh, on your favorite podcast platform, but it is available right now, as well as our exclusive weekly wrestling podcast, uh, and Be Conscious makes its return uh, next week over there to Patreon. So go check that out. Patreon.com slash Damien Barling. Or if that's too much to remember, go to DamienBarling.com. I've been looking into those like redirect addresses so I can like put like com and that sends you to the Patreon account. I just haven't pulled the trigger on all of that stuff. I've got some good stuff coming your way, man. I'm so excited for what the next year of podcasting uh, is going to bring us. Uh, I've got some great stuff coming your way. I can't wait to uh, share it with you, and I, I, I can't wait to share this with you. It, it, it felt like yesterday. It felt like like all afternoon, we were just getting inundated over and over and over again with each league, one after the other, all the way down to college, talking about like a potential return, talking about parameters of what a return uh, would look like. It, it, it was funny because for so long I felt like. I felt like we were talking baseball and like baseball was very clearly, very obviously they were going to be the first ones back. This thing was going to be nailed down in no time. And it, and it may very well, uh, but they, the owners presented it to the players association. What was it like last Monday or Tuesday? And I feel like things have kind of gone quiet. I mean, I know that there've been like a couple of leaks coming out. There've been, you know, umpires wearing masks. There've been, you know, you know, a handful of things. And now we're, we're, we're talking about, uh, allegedly again, small stories in, in, in the scheme of a bigger story of, uh, you know, different health proposals and, and what players want versus what owners want. And now all of a sudden the NBA is kicking in the door going, Hey, hey, hey we've got, uh, we've got basketball that we want to play and we want to play it here pretty soon. And there were reports yesterday coming from uh, Adrian Wojnarowski and Zach Lowe over there at ESPN that NBA teams are expecting the league office will issue guidelines around June 1st that will allow franchises to start recalling players uh, who have left their markets to return as a first step towards a ramp up for the season's resumption. Uh, as I said yesterday, I'm starting to change my tune in terms of a regular season uh, res- resumption. But I'm starting to get the feeling that that's going to happen. I'm starting to feel like we're going to get. And I know we talked about this a couple of weeks ago and I said it, but I didn't really believe it, that perhaps the final, I don't know, maybe two weeks, I guess, If, if we did like a two week camp, right, and then two weeks of the regular season, we're talking about a month ramp up before we get to the playoffs. And that's really what this is all about. And it's a month for guys to get back in shape. It's a it's a month for guys to be around their teammates, to be around their coaches. It's a month, uh, perhaps most importantly for some, to be around their uh, like athletic trainers and their physicians and all of those different things. So I I, I was kind of adamant. That I I don't think regular season games are going to happen, but I'm I'm starting to change my tune on that a little bit. And now with you know players being called back in, I it. It wasn't like okay, sixteen teams are going to start calling players back in. No, I, it it sounds like it's 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 going to be everybody. And now we're you know st- we're starting to get word from you know uh, it, it looks like uh, uh, Disney World is the the front runner for hosting at least a certain number of NBA teams. Uh, Walt Disney told Yahoo Sports Keith Smith, "We are confident we'll be hosting the NBA in some fashion." It may not be the entire league, but we believe the NBA will be here to at least finish part of their season. Still hurdles across, uh, but we are preparing as if that is the case. Uh, Las Vegas, uh, as we've talked about on many occasions, is also in the conversation. Uh, and now Houston has become a part of this conversation. Now with Las Vegas and Orlando, obviously because of you know Disney World, there's a, there's a lot of tourism involved there and with disney world uh, being closed or at the very least not open to full capacity then you you know orlando might be a it might be an easier town to navigate las vegas big tourism town with things being you know e- even if things are open so to speak like the strip isn't going to be the strip there aren't going to be millions of people wandering all over the strip in las vegas there's there's probably a certain certainly not isolation definitely not isolation but maybe you know a, a little more relaxed atmosphere than you would figure from Las Vegas I mean, but that ain't the case in Houston dude Houston is insane like Houston feels like a terrible idea Yeah, and, and the, again just stuff that has been put out there I don't I don't know how you know serious Houston is in terms of you know, considerations, it feels like their name was kind of thrown into the hat, you know, long after Orlando, long after Las Vegas, you've actually got people associated with Walt Disney World commenting on it to Yahoo Sports. So that obviously is very, very close. I mean, maybe we're going to get games played at the old center stage where WCW Saturday night used to happen. You know, maybe, maybe that's something that's going to happen. You know, all of the hotels that surround Disney World, you know, maybe the, maybe the fans will be Walt Disney characters. I don't know. I'm just throwing stuff out there, but boy, it felt like we got a lot of information as it pertained to the NBA yesterday. Now, with a June 1st recall date, or 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 let, let me let me phrase this pop, uh, properly. With a uh, uh, June 1st being expect to, to to be when the NBA announces a recall date, I think that's a little bit more accurate. I think we could start. You know, I think we could start laying out a time frame here where. If the NBA comes up with a mandate, and again, I believe we've got California, Arizona. We talked about this a couple of days ago. It's not an accident that New York, California, and Texas all made statements regarding sports on the same exact day. There is, I will kiss you square on your butt if that was a coincidence. It was not. It was either headed up by people in the NBA or headed up by people in the NFL or headed up by, you know, people who are working in the interest of the NBA and the NFL, uh, or you know, perhaps major league baseball and the NHL and MLS, all, all of the sports leagues as well. Like, it, you know, it, it point is it wasn't coincidental. And so as state after state after state starts to open up just a little bit more, like we we should be getting a word. We, we may have already gotten it on Sac County. Like, I know Placer County is, you know, at least compared to what it's been for the last month, is, you know, up and running, so to speak. So the folks in, you know, you guys listening in Roseville and Granite Bay, y- 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 y'all are rolling along, man. Rockland, y'all are kicking it. Meanwhile, you know, you're in Natoma's and you're sitting here twiddling your thumbs like, you know, that, that old commercial, open, 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 open. Getting closer. So California's on board, Arizona, I think Colorado was already in pretty good shape. So now you're starting to check off state after state after state after state. It'll be interesting to see what happens here. It's May 21st. It'll be interesting to see what happens in NBA states over the course of the next, you know, 11 or 12 days. Toronto is going to have to leave Canada (laughs) and the Toronto Raptors are going to have to leave Canada and not return. Uh, because of, uh, you know, the mandates that Canada has, if you are out of the country and you come back in, you're supposed to self-quarantine for, uh, I think it was 14 days. So once they leave, you know, uh, they're, they're not coming back until after the season over is over or, or until at least after their season is over. And, you know, now we're almost getting to the point. So let me finish this thought because my brain is running 2,000 miles a minute. So please forgive me. I, I, and, I, and I don't know why. Um, June 1st is a potential, I think we could start to put dates together. So if the NBA is starting to tell teams, okay, let's say it's around June 1st, June 2nd. Hey, uh, you know, about June 15th, 16th, 17th, you start to tell your players like, Hey, let's, let's make our way back to town. Let's make our way back to town. You've got two weeks to get back here to your home market. You've got two weeks to get back to Sacramento. You've got two weeks to get back to, uh, you know, wherever you live in the Bay Area. You got two weeks to get back to Los Angeles. You've got two weeks to get back to your home market. And then I still maintain this is the proper thing to do. And this is what we talked about. uh, I think it was Monday. Board a plane, head off to whatever your destination city is. In this case, let's, let's, let's go with the narrative that it's Orlando. Everybody gets back into the market. You board your charter jets. You head to Orlando, and there you do your training camp. You do your training camp in Orlando. You don't do your training camp in Sacramento. You don't do your training camp in San Francisco or Los Angeles or Milwaukee or Boston or New York or Brooklyn. You do it in the bubble city. So all you're really doing is you're collecting all of your bodies. You're collecting your coaches. You're collecting your players. You're collecting your training staff. You're collecting them all. Maybe, maybe you're doing tests in your home market. Maybe you're doing your tests there. And and in fact, what, what am I talking about? That absolutely makes the most sense. You bring everybody in, you do your tests there. Everybody gets the all clear. You hop the plane, you head to Orlando and you begin training camp. You don't get the clear no problem. Stay back in the home market. We'll have a physician. We'll have one of our physicians who's here with you, monitor you, monitor your symptoms, monitor your your temperature. As soon as you pass the test, we board you on the charter. You join us in the bubble city. And so now maybe we're talking about, so June 1st, let's say June 15th. So now we're talking about everybody's back by July 1st, middle of July, late July. I'm I'm maybe, maybe around there. With, uh, with a playoff starting potentially in August. Knock on wood, man, we're able to get through this entire postseason. Here's what we're looking at right now. Here's what we're potentially looking at. I'll, I'll just throw, you, you know, dates that I think makes, make sense. The NBA makes an announcement June 1st. Uh, 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 they start to recall players on June 15th. Everybody comes back to their home market. They head to the Bubble City on July 1st. Let's say for fun that they start in the middle of July. They start training camp in the middle of July. It goes two, two and a half weeks. First or second week of August, you're starting playoffs. Playoffs generally won, what, about two and a half months? Now we're talking about November. NBA Finals concludes around Thanksgiving. And then guess what happens? We're right back into training camp. We're right back into training camp, and what I believe is going to be the new NBA year begins. If this all works to a T the NBA might not have to shorten next season. If it doesn't, then we may look at next season being abbreviated at the beginning instead of at the end. But I think all all indications are after all of the losses that they're taking this year and all of the sports leagues with with the exception of the NFL for now, and we'll talk about them in just a heartbeat, but all of these losses that they're taking, if you, I mean, because it's only going to be you know, it's only going to be two. You know, two teams are going to have a really potentially two teams are going to have a really really short turnaround to get into next season. Um, four teams are, you know, the, the two more teams. I should say, there's uh, there's they have a little bit longer of a turnaround, and then you start, you know, adding team after team after team after team there. But for the most part, like we've had uh, an off season. So again, if 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 you know our hypothetical dates are true here, in in actual. Like a practice, like an actual practice resumes on, in say the middle of July, sometime in the middle of July. Then, that's what. Let, let's let's go. What what was it? July eleventh. Let's go July eleventh, just for fun. So we've got March, April, May, June. We're into July. We're talking like a four month layoff here. We're, we're talking about an off season. You know, we we get to the NBA Finals, June, July. August, September, October, boom! Training camp season starts. We, we've, believe it or not, we we are experiencing an NBA, NBA offseason right now. And so, as this you know kind of all starts to to get together, you know, I I think we are almost at the point. We're almost at the point where we can start talk, start talking about well, who benefited the most from the layoff. Who's got the best chance to come in after four freaking months off to win an NBA championship or, you know, three and a half months, three months off. Who is going to benefit the best from this laugh? Now we could start talking about NBA champions. Now we could start talking about, yo, okay. What about the Kings? For example, if we have regular season games and again, it, 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 I have this, there's this overwhelming feeling that we are at least for a couple of weeks is, it, is Bagley playing? What, what are we doing here? Are, are we getting a, a, a full run now? We've got, we've got a. I, I sure hope Marvin Bagley is healthy. Bagley, Rashawn Holmes, De'Aaron Fox, Buddy Hield, Bogdan Bogdanovich. Like, what, what do we got? Are we getting a true look at what this team might look like next season? Is Bogdan Bogdan the salary cap is going to lower, man? The salary cap is not going to be what we thought it was going to be, and that's. I've got to imagine, I need to get one of the Kings Herald guys on to talk about this and figure out, like, yo, what does that mean for, what does that mean for the salary cap? What does that mean for the Sacramento Kings uh, potentially retaining Bo Don Bogdanovich? Even, the, even though they, you know, made their moves when Dwayne Dedman and all of the the horrible contracts that they signed last summer, you know, with the potential, I mean, there's just speculation at this point, a potential reduction of $30 million in that salary cap, then... Man, that that's that, that's gonna matter. And, and it doesn't just matter for the Sacramento Kings. I pointed that out because that's a situation we're all close to. That's gonna matter for everybody. Anthony Davis, who was, you know, ready for that, you know, grant, Anthony Davis is still gonna get his money and he's still gonna get very big money, but it's going to affect his contract. It's going to affect every it's going to affect everybody who was gonna sign a deal this offseason. And and probably it's gonna affect everybody who's gonna sign a deal for, uh, you know, next summer as well. This isn't, this isn't okay. Games. Okay. Games are back. Like everything's fixed. Like, no, the the, the money is lost and it's not coming back. Like it's going to take a couple of years. First of all, it's going to take fans being back in the building. Uh, and I'm talking like capacity crowds back in the building for the recovery to even begin. And we're not there yet. We're not even close to that yet, but I'm, Man, yesterday, boy, yesterday was just information and it was like, okay, now now we're getting now now we're getting past the, you know, if and we're getting into the when and now we're getting into the well. All right, can 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 LeBron James win the MVP in the final 2 weeks of the season? You know, so like insane stuff like that, which is fun because we miss it. <laughs> like we miss doing really dumb stuff like that where we ask if someone can win an entire uh, NBA regular season MVP in the final two weeks of the season, um, and I assume they are still giving out. If they're going to finish the season, we've got to give out uh, postseason awards. Um, let's see what should we do here. Let's stick with uh, let's stick with re- returning. Let's let's stick let's stick with stuff potentially returning before we get into some notes I got from Forbes regarding uh, the NFL playing in empty arenas. Uh, the NCAA Division One Council voted on Wednesday to allow voluntary on-campus athletic activities to resume uh, in football, as well as men's and women's basketball, beginning, you guessed it, June 1st. Uh, this is according to ESPN. Uh, of course, the you know coronavirus forced the shutdown of sports across the country, and the campus banned all on-campus athletic activities, uh, that mortatorium, that ban was set to expire May 31st. And from what it sounds like from the news that we got yesterday from the division one council is that it still is set to expire on uh, May 31st. And now we've got a situation where now this is, this is, this is different. This is different than the NBA. This is different than major league baseball. This is different than the NFL. This is different than the NHL because I, uh, I'm not sure if you. I'm not sure if you're aware of this. So let me, Michael Scott, you here on this situation and explain something to you. These aren't paid athletes. <gasps> no, it's true. It's true. Co- college athletes aren't 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 paid athletes. And before, if if you're a, if if you're one of the oh, but they get a if they get a tuition. They 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 get their tuition paid for. day on scholarship. Yeah yeah yeah. But here's the thing. Right now, regardless of what the Division I Council said yesterday, they still can't return to class. So at this point, football players and men's and women's basketball players, they're now strictly athletes. They're nothing else. There is no student to tie to the student athlete because there's no campus for them to go to. SEC athletic directors are expected to meet with health experts today. Uh, And then give a recommendation to university presidents and chancellors about whether they should begin a phased reopening or extend the moratorium on in-person on-campus workouts. Uh, The presidents and the chancellors are expected to make a decision when they meet tomorrow. So we're going to have a whole bunch more news as it pertains to college football. And college basketball, men's and women's college basketball, we're going to have a lot more to talk about in the upcoming days. Whether it's uh, whether it's Friday, whether it's tomorrow, or whether it's uh, Saturday when we return uh, from Memorial Day weekend. Let's say what day did I say? or Tuesday when we re- return from Memorial Day weekend. By the way, and I'm going to say this again tomorrow. I'm going to say it today too. I, I know restrictions are starting to ease, and and that's cool. Man, enjoy it. Have a blast this Memorial Day, man, but please be safe. Like, don't don't be dumb just because stuff, like, opened to a certain degree. Like, be smart, be safe, uh, so you can stay healthy, so you can have a great Memorial Day, and most importantly, so you can come back on Tuesday and listen to the podcast completely healthy. Because believe me, I am not someone you want to listen to when you're sick. I'm barely someone you want to listen to when you're healthy because I will get on every damn nerve that you have. But if you're sick and irritable, especially men, like men, when we get sick, like we dude, we're the I, I know I am the worst when I'm sick. And part of it is one, I refuse to acknowledge that I'm sick to certain people. Like ask Jason Ross, ask ask the champ. Like, I've never been sick a day in my life. Oh, but let me get home, man. Oh, bruh, all bad. Not good. So be smart uh this weekend, be smart through this long holiday and 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 don't do anything stupid just because you know, stuff is opening. Cause we're gonna get we're going to get a lot of news this weekend. We're going to get a lot of news on Friday. We're going to get news carrying us out through this Memorial Day, and the sports landscape is going to start to take shape quite a bit over the course of the next two weeks. Uh, to follow up on what we just said from the NCAA Division One Council and the potential, uh, you know, resumption of on-campus athletic activities, and also they've got to figure out the campus part of this. Like they've they've got to figure out. Sorry, not the campus part. They've got to figure out the the, the education part of this. They've got to figure out the classes part of this. Now I know, uh, state universities here in California have 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 already told everyone have already told students, uh, you know, be, be prepared for virtual learning at least through. I think was it through the was it through the first quarter of the year or the the, the first semester? I think I think it was. Um, yeah, at least through the rest of. Uh, 2020 be prepared uh, for virtual learning and distance learning and all of that stuff. Now, if, if you're going to reopen for athletic activities, like do you, do you only do that for, I, I mean, and, and it's still, if you're just opening the campus up for athletic activities, but the athletes are doing virtual learning, then you're still, you know, you're still minimizing a potential spread here. You're still minimizing a potential uh, impact of the virus. But at what point is it like, yo, we've got, to, we've, we've got to return to school. If athletes are going there for practice, they've got to be able to return to class. And what about this story coming from Gene Smith, the athletic director at Ohio State? He said yesterday that his athletic department has run several social distancing models to consider having uh, fans in stands at games this fall at Ohio Stadium, with a normal capacity of uh, 100,000, that they would be able to get a crowd close to twenty 000 to 22,000 fans. If guidelines remained as strict as they are, G. Smith said they could get to twenty 000 to 22,000 fans um, in Ohio State at the horseshoe. And if guidelines, and, and this this is a term that, that Gene Smith used, so he I, I don't he didn't define it, at least not in the audio or the, the the transcript that I found. He didn't define it, but he said, "quote If guidelines are relaxed, you could perhaps fit up to forty to fifty thousand in." So so for context purposes, again, you guys can do the math. That's 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 a quarter. That's about you know a quarter to a half of of what can normally fit. Inside that monster stadium there in Ohio State, and you could you could bet that that's the framework now for places like Tennessee, who houses you know a uh, uh, Neyland Stadium that's a hundred thousand. You got the Big House in Ann Arbor that that, that that's good. For, and these these are a hundred thousand rounding down. Like we're really talking about anywhere from you know one hundred and four to one hundred and ten. And now all of a sudden you you're, you're starting to you think oh, with 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 uh, college campuses looking at this. You only go. Jerry is looking at it like, well, I can fit. Let's see, without the standing room, I could probably fit. No standing room could probably fit about seventy thousand in my stadium. We cut that in half, thirty-five thousand. I'm going to tell you what why that's so important here uh, in just a minute. Uh, but Gene Smith went on and he said, we're fortunate with a hundred thousand seats in the stadium. So. Could we implement the current uh, CDC guidelines, state guidelines around physical distancing, mask requirements, and all those types of things in an outdoor environment and have obviously significantly less fans than we're used to? I think it's possible, end quote. Uh, Seating capacity, by the way, at Ohio State, uh, the exact number is 102,780. But we're all, now now everybody is going to be taken, you know, they're they're, going to be taken out of each other's playbooks, whether it's the NFL monitoring what uh, these big college stadiums are going to be doing. Not everybody in the NFL can afford that. But in in terms of, you know, like they're, you know, scaling down their facility might not mean, you know, I don't think there's a hundred thousand seat stadium in the NFL. So we're talking, you know, for example, the new spot in Las Vegas, that's what, 60? So with, quote, guidelines relaxed, 30, perhaps more likely, 15,000? Hell, that's a, that's a Chargers game in Los Angeles. Shoot, that might be more than a Chargers game in Los Angeles. Of course, with social distancing guidelines for the Chargers, they, they could probably house about 100 people, uh, for people who want to see their games. Um, I don't know why I felt the need to throw that joke in there. I don't know what the capacity is for the new... Uh, it was it SoFi Stadium? I, I don't know what the capacity is for for that new stadium. I feel like I just read yesterday that uh, Vegas is sixty, and I think that's kind of the vicinity of most stadiums is is between fifty and sixty. I'm I'm, I'm sure Levi is in that general area. Man, this and now and and now. So here's the weird part. Here here's the weird thing. Just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about. Potentially, uh, the 49ers and, and the Rams and the Chargers playing elsewhere, uh, playing their home games in Arizona or Las Vegas or in a different state who has kind of a, a you know, who, who the, their guidelines have relaxed a little bit, to quote, to quote Gene Smith there. The guidelines have relaxed a little bit in those states, and, you know, there's potential for uh, those states. That there's already been talk of like the Broncos and the Cardinals playing in front of fans in some way, shape, or form. Certainly not a full stadium of fans, but fans in some way, shape, or form. That's already been talked about. And I think you can. I mean, could you do mask and gloves night like every night, like every game? I mean, make it a promotion. Like every fan gets a you know, you telling me the Raider stadium wouldn't it look dope if, if Raider fans were, you know, decked out in silver and black, you know, face masks? If you could add gloves to the equation, man, why not? It could work. You'd have to police it, and that would be difficult. It's already difficult to police uh, games, but with, you know, a far less amount of people, you would have to police it. And if you're a football fan and it's like yo you can have you you can have live football you can go watch your favorite football team but here's the trade off you've got to wear a mask and it's a te- it's a it's a team issued mask it's got the 49ers logo on it it's got the raiders logo on it you you've got to wear that uh, and we'll, you know, we'll give you some matching gloves or whatever, but, but that's it. You've got to wear that through the entirety of the game. We've made these, you know, masks. they're, they're, they're comfortable. They're, they're good for one use. As soon as you get to your car, you take them off, take all that stuff off and you get home, you throw them away. Boom. Live sports, smaller crowds still. You know, you can't do that with, in my opinion, you can't do that with 60,000 people, but could you do it with 10? Yeah, you could do it with 10. I think it could be naive and wrong, but what's amazing about this is just a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about these California teams potentially moving to different states and and playing uh, you know, in, in Denver and playing in Arizona and playing in Las Vegas, and now all of a sudden, we're talking about potentially playing in some form of fans. Now, to be clear, I didn't read anything about the NFL playing in front of fans, absolutely nothing, but I'll tell you what I did read. Obviously, read what I, I just told you about from gene smith talking about uh ohio state i think that matters i think just as uh, sports leagues have been watching what you know the korean baseball leagues have been doing and what the soccer leagues have been doing I the you know i think the nfl is watching that i think the nba is watching that i think major league baseball is watching that uh but while the nfl hasn't said anything about playing in front of fans i'll tell you what i came across in addition to that uh stuff from gene smith is this article in forbes And this article in Forbes says, if NFL teams play games without fans in the stands, and we're talking about a full season here, we're talking about 16 games for all 32 teams, and I don't think that this includes the playoffs. I think we're talking about the regular season only. If NFL teams play games without fans in the stands uh, this upcoming season, the league could lose in the vicinity of 5.5 billion dollars. Now, that is the sum of tickets, concessions, sponsors, parking, and team stores. Uh, and that's based on figures that we got. Or Yeah, we got. I researched it. That's based on figures that uh, the Forbes Riders got from the 2018 season. Now, every team is going to be impacted a little bit differently. Uh, for example, the Dallas Cowboys. Dallas Cowboys make almost uh nine hundred million dollars a season and they would lose over half of their total revenue without games because so much of their it's basically the the ticket revenue you you know we just laid it out the ticket revenue the sponsors the parking and all of that stuff but for them their team stores they sell a huge number they like a a merchandise per head right so if there's Um, let's say average, average, uh, attendance is 70,000 at AT AT&T stadium, Jerry's house in Dallas, those 70,000 people are roughly spending about a hundred dollars every time they step in the, every time they step in there, every time they step in the stadium. Uh, whether it's con- concessions or team stores. For some, it's, I think part of the reason that the Cowboys do so well at their team store is because their team store is massive. Their team store is like the freaking size of Arden Fair Mall. It's enormous. And it just invites people in there to buy stuff. Like, have you ever been to the team store? You know, the, 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 there are multiple team stores at the Golden One Center. You know what they all look like. Um, I, bet, I went to the team store when I went to the, the Lakers-Celtics game. Didn't buy anything. I I swear to you, I didn't buy anything at the Lakers team store, but I went in there. It's jam-packed, and it's tiny. It's small. Dallas, it's enormous, and it's just inviting you in there to spend more money. The Bills, the Titans, and the Cincinnati Bengals, they would lose less than a third of their total revenue by this loss of, of stadium revenue. So think about that for a second the two teams most impacted by the loss of stadium revenue. And when I say that, I, if you cut the Cowboys' revenue in half and if you cut the New England Patriots' revenue in half, their revenue is still higher than some other teams. But do you think Uncle Jerry and old Bobby are willing to give up between 500 and $600 million for the upcoming season? Now, if they can minimize it, they're going to lose money. The NFL is going to lose money this season. Sorry, let me let me, let me rephrase it. The NFL isn't going to lose money. They're 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 going to make less money because I think the total revenue for the league as a whole in that 2018 season was roughly 16 billion. So they're not losing money. They're just not making as much. And those are two. Very distinctively different points. The NFL made roughly $16 billion. If you lose five and a half of that, the NFL still made about $11.5 billion. But if you could minimize that impact and that $5.5 billion line item suddenly becomes... That $5.5 billion red line item suddenly becomes... Two and a half? Three? You don't think old Jerry and Bobby will take it? I think they will. If a team that makes, you know, $900 million every year, and instead of, uh, you know, you know if you take away this stadium revenue, which is roughly, for the Cowboys I'm speaking of, $600 million. if If suddenly it becomes... 300 million. Like if you you're presented with, okay. Jerry, Bobby, here's a bad situation. Jerry, Bobby, here is a less bad situation. Those billionaires are going to take every dollar that they can get. Every single dollar. I don't know what the patriots, you know, I the patriots might be worried because who The Patriots are kind of entering uncharted territories here for them. You know, they have had a face of the franchise for, you know, 20 years. They still have a face of the franchise. It's just he's in Tampa now, which is a beautiful segue to our next story. And NFL players are going to suffer from this too, because remember, NFL players get 47 to 48.5% of total revenue. So if that total revenue is no longer $16 billion and it's $11 Eleven billion dollars. Well, that's that's a big deal. I think my math was off earlier. I think I said eleven and a half million when really it's ten and a half million. That's why we don't do we didn't do math on the lowdown. We don't do math on the podcast. But that that's this is this is a big deal for the players too because they're no longer splitting sixteen billion dollars. They're splitting ten and a half billion, which is a, <laughs> such an absurd sentence to utter out loud. Yeah, these poor guys, they're splitting $10.5 billion amongst them. I know It's weird. We were talking about Tom Brady. Let's segue to Tom Brady, who was uh, working out with his Bucks teammates over the course of the last couple of days. Um, oh, and Patriots fans and Patriots writers. They really got into their feelings about this. Uh, first, let's lay out the workout. It wasn't just Tom Brady who was there working out for the Tampa Bay Bucks. It was his uh, backups, uh, Blaine Gabbert and Ryan Griffin, they were there as well. Um, but Brady was the only player. Brady had like the, he had like the creamsicle orange practice Jersey on like the, you know, the, the, the don't hit me Jersey on. He had a box helmet on and you know, the reporters found out about the workout and they were able to, you know, paparazzi stake out the place and get some pictures. Uh, the NFL said there was nothing wrong with Brady working out with his teammates. As long as they followed uh, the recommendations and the guidelines set by the state and the local authorities uh, last Wednesday, you recall, uh, the stable genius governor Rondo Santos uh, announced that uh, Florida was open for business to pro sports teams. Tom Brady obviously took them up on that offer as did his uh, Milwaukee, uh, Milwaukee bucks, his Tampa Bay bucks, wide receivers. Uh, and, and and a couple of the other players, his center was out there. Like they had a number of players out there, no coaches uh, coaches and players are, are still not per- permitted to uh, be around each other unless rehabbing an injury. Uh, so, so Brady's getting in work as a, mentioned there a moment ago that's I think this got real a little bit for Patriots fans and then we we expose the you know the creed that we live by here on, on the podcast I don't know that it's so much a creed but we live by the fact that we as sports fans are the stupidest people alive we are irrational when it comes to sports and this is the danger there's also this thing with sports fans And I don't know if it's, and I always thought maybe it was isolated to small markets like Sacramento, but it's not as evidenced by what I'm about to tell you. But I've always believed this. Like people believe that you're supposed to be a fan of the team that you cover. You're not, or you don't need to be. There's really no need for you to be a fan of the team that you cover. You're supposed to cover the team. You're supposed to present the facts. You're supposed to present an opinion on the team. You don't have to be a fan, and I think sometimes it's good to not be a fan because, as we just said, we as fans are the stupidest people on the planet. Case in point, from WEEI in Boston, I read you a passage from their website covering Tom Brady working out with his teammates over the course of the last few days. There was, uh, the title of the article is that uh, Tom Brady was... Not the same guy over the course of the, the, the last few years with the Patriots. Here's a quote from that article on weei.com. This clearly is evidence that the Patriots quarterback was not the same guy in his last few years in New England. Brady no longer was doing everything in his power to make sure he and the rest of the offense were as prepared as possible for the upcoming season. As for the reason why? Perhaps Brady knew his time in New England was coming to an end, and if that were the case, it's natural to no longer put forth the same effort as before. Think about it. If you've accepted a new job, are you going to work equally as hard as you did for your old employer? Probably not. Brady didn't commit to signing with Tampa Bay a few years ago, but he probably had a good idea his career was not going to end in New England, and that was enough for him to dial back his offseason commitment. End quote. W-E-E-I in Boston. This particular writer, looked like a young man. I don't want to you know, trash him too much. Believe it. Because Tom Brady hadn't been doing OTAs and off-season workouts, he was no longer committed to the New England Patriots. But seeing him there with his new teammates and, and templates got these guys in Boston all in their feelings. And it was clear now that that the patriarch or one of the patriarchs of the Patriot dynasty was not working as hard as he could have. Tom Brady did not put in the same effort. Thus, because Tom Brady did not put in the same effort as he had in the past, the Patriots only went to four Super Bowls in his last five seasons. The goal. The goal of Captain America. Mm. Mm -hmm. Alden Smith has been reinstated. I guess this is our annual tradition here on any show, for that matter, to just tell you that Alden Smith, the seventh overall pick in the 2011 draft, has been reinstated by the NFL. Alden Smith has not played football since 2015. I know we've been on quarantine for a while, and if you've lost track of time, it is 2020. Alden Smith has not played football in five freaking years. And he has a contract with the Dallas Cowboys. And in five days, he can join the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know what the significance is of May 26th but that's that's what my notes say on May 26th he can he can officially join the Dallas roster. Holy smokes, man. I don't even think I realized that that dude hasn't played football in 5 years. That is f- freaking incredible. Absolutely incredible. Uh Maya Moore, uh, Devin and Jason McCautry, uh, Nelson Cruz, Kevin Love, and Titus O'Neill were named finalists yesterday for the Muhammad Ali Sports Humanitarian Award uh, for their work in the community. A um, couple of notes here. Kevin Love, I love everything that he has done for uh, anxiety and depression. Uh, I love his uh, Kevin Love Fund, and you know he's helped develop an education curriculum designed um, to destigmatize anxi- anxiety and depression. Uh, I love Titus O'Neill. I've had the opportunity to meet Titus O'Neill If you're not familiar with the name, uh, he's a WWE wrestler. I wouldn't you know, stretch to call him a WWE star, but he is a valuable part of what they do because he is a community guy and he genuinely means everything that he does in the community. He's not doing it for promotional appearances. He's not doing it for name value. He's not doing it to stay employed. He's doing it because he genuinely cares, man, and he is an awesome, awesome individual. Uh, and he's helping transform a magnet school into an Innovative uh, education and community hub in Tampa, Florida, uh, where he lives. Uh, I don't, I've read up a little bit on uh, what Devin McCautree, Devin and Jason McCautree have done and what Nelson Cruz have done. But the fact is, for me, this award belongs to Maya Moore. And if Maya Moore doesn't win it, just you don't even need it anymore. Maya Moore quit playing basketball, whether, you know, permanently or uh, temporarily because she was pursuing justice for a man named Jonathan Irons. Jonathan Irons was a minor in 1998. He had been sentenced to 50 years in prison for burglary and assault in March. Irons conviction after over a year of working on this in March, Irons conviction was overturned by a judge who called the initial finding weak, circumstantial at best and marked with a stunning amount of inconsistencies. And Jonathan Irons, was set free mostly because of Maya Moore's uh, approach and the attention that she brought to this case. I appreciate what all of these well men they're all men except for Maya. I appreciate what they have all done. This is Maya Moore this is her award this is the this is the defining Muhammad Ali award right here like this this is like a Muhammad Ali thing. Again, what all of these guys are doing uh, is fantastic, but Maya Moore deserves that award. Uh, The Sacramento Kings, their finalist for the Sports Humanitarian Team of the Year, along with the New York City FC, the Denver Broncos, and the Los Angeles Dodgers. Uh, Many of you are familiar with uh, Sacramento's partnership with uh, Build Black and everything that went on following uh, the police shooting death of Stephon Clark here in the city of Sacramento and all that the Kings have done um, to help uh, underprivileged communities here. So congratulations to the Sacramento Kings. We'll monitor that and see uh, if that award uh, comes home to the golden one center. That is award uh that every Kings fan should be extremely, extremely proud of. If that one is able uh, to come home here to Sacramento. Uh, thank you so much for tuning in uh, as always an eventful show an exciting show. It's, it's always fun when there's, when there's positive stuff to talk about, like there wasn't a lot of doom and gloom here today. There was like some really good stuff out there you know, we're, you know, I, I miss sports. I know we all do. Like that's a, that's a dumb statement. Like we all miss sports and I'm excited about the prospect of it returning sooner, sooner uh, rather than later. Uh, And I'm excited at the prospect of you returning here tomorrow on the podcast with Damian Barling.